Today we return to the familiar parable of the Good Samaritan, but this time we'll shift our focus to Jesus' teaching rather than the actions of the Samaritan in the story. So reading from Luke chapter 10. A legal expert stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus replied, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? He responded, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But the legal expert wanted to prove that he was right, so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan who was on a journey came to where the man was, but when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. Then he placed the wounded man on his own donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. He said, take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional costs. What do you think? Which one of these three was a neighbor to the man who encountered thieves? Then the legal expert said, the one who demonstrated mercy toward him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. So for those of you here in our live studio audience and those who are following along at home, you may have noticed that not only was today's text a familiar one, but we just used it three weeks ago. Now, maybe some of you didn't notice that, and that's okay too, I suppose. But don't worry, I promise this is not just a rerun. So we'll be doing something a little different today. Um, as we go into this uh, sermon series on God Beyond Boundaries and look at all the different ways in which Jesus came along to kind of push against those boundaries that we try and draw around ourselves to press those borders and get us to kind of stretch beyond them. So when we read this text a few weeks ago, we were in the midst of our Vacation Bible School series and we were talking about going beyond and uh, we focused in that service really on the Samaritan in our parable. We talked about the way that the things that this Samaritan did went beyond the expectations of what was expected of him um, at that time. See, he didn't just come across a man who was in need on the side of the road and bandage up his wounds, but he then took care of him and made sure that he was cared for before leaving him and going on his way. And he, he took the man to an inn and he promised, he paid the innkeeper and he promised that he would come back and pay him any additional monies that might be needed to cover the cost of caring for this man that was in need. But today we're going to be looking more at the reason and the purpose for Jesus telling this parable. You see, the text starts out with a legal expert who we're told wants to test Jesus. Some translations call him a lawyer, other translations refer to him as an expert in religious law. So in this story, in the Gospel of Luke, 
He's trying to test Jesus, trying to trick him in some way. He starts asking him questions not out of an actual sincere desire to know the way to eternal life, but because he wants to prove himself right. He wants to win. And so he starts this line of questioning, certain that he knows exactly how this conversation is going to go, and certain that he knows exactly how to come out on top. But Jesus doesn't really play along as, as the lawyer expected. And instead of just answering his question outright, Jesus turns it back on him with a question of his own. Well, what is written in the law? The question asked by the legal expert in this response given by Jesus makes it clear that this is really not a question of civil law. This is not about the rules of the land. This is not about the rules of the empire. This is about holy scripture, about religious texts. We don't turn to the Constitution to ask questions about what it means to have eternal life. And so in the same way, Jesus would not have turned to the laws of the empire in relation to this conversation. But unlike Matthew and Mark, that have similar stories where Jesus is questioned in this way, Luke puts the summation of the law and the prophets into the mouth of this legal expert. See, in the, in the other Gospels, Jesus is being questioned directly about the way to eternal life, and so he is summing up the law and the prophets into the greatest commandment, as it were. But here, Jesus turns it around to ask this expert in the law. You know the law so well, what does it say? And the legal expert responds, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. See, by turning it around this way, Luke is showing us this legal expert, he, he knows what the scriptures say. He knows what's there. He knows what God is expecting of the people in the world. He summarizes the entirety of the Hebrew scriptures down into these two short commands. And so in some ways, Jesus' next response is quite simple. Well, do this and you will live. But unlike the other gospels, because Jesus is responding to this other person, Jesus is basically saying, hey, you already know what you're supposed to be doing. As long as you're doing that, you're just fine. I think in that moment is when this legal expert realized that Jesus was getting the best of him. But his pride won't let him stop there, won't let him lose. He tries once more. Text says he wants to prove himself right. Other translations say he wanted to be justified. See, he probably knows he's not actually doing the things that are expected of him, the things that he's supposed to be doing. And so I think that instead of just trying to press Jesus and prove himself right, maybe he's also trying to see, well, maybe Jesus will say something that'll let me off the hook. Maybe he can find a way that he's actually being righteous even though he's not himself fulfilling the law. And so he asked that follow-up question, well, who is my neighbor? The, the lawyer is essentially trying to say, he's trying to put a limit on the law. 
He's not exactly trying to say, who is my neighbor? He, he's almost trying to say, well, who is not my neighbor? Who do I not have to do those things to? Who can I, who can I reasonably exclude and, and it'll still be okay? You see, if, if Jesus responds, if his neighbors are, are only those who, you know, live next door to him on either side of his house, well, you know, he can, he can worry about loving those people and ignore the others. Or if, if his neighbors are just those who are on his block, well, he'll, he'll love those people and, and he can ignore others. Or, you know, if his, his neighbors are just those in, in his hometown, or, or maybe his neighbors are just those that are, that are in his church, or maybe his neighbors are just those that look and act and talk exactly like he does. I think you get the point. But... Thankfully, Jesus is far wiser and far more clever. And so he tells this little story, this little parable, as a way of getting his point across. We have this familiar text, a man is robbed and beaten and stripped and left on the side of the road for dead. And we know how it goes from there. A priest comes along and passes by on the far side of the road. And then a Levite comes along, and, and he too passes by on the far side of the road. And then a third man comes along, and probably his listeners were expecting him to name some other group of Jewish people in his response, but instead the third man is a Samaritan. And it is this man who aids the one in need by treating his wounds and carrying him to someplace safe and seeing that his needs are cared for. These characters that he's telling about in this story are what makes this parable important. We have the man who's traveling, who's set upon by thieves. We don't really know anything else about him or who the thieves were, and that really isn't the point that Jesus is trying to make anyway. Quibbling about how he got there and how he got robbed is really not the point. The point is about him being helped after he's in need. And so we have the different men who come along the road. We have the priest who would have been, you know, in the most highly revered class in the Jewish culture. They were the ones considered closest to God, the ones who could intercede with the people, the ones who would lead worship and who would accept the sacrifices. They were experts in the law. but he passes by on the other side of the road. We have a Levite next. They also were servants in the temple. They were the ones who helped to make sure that the different tasks were taken care of. They, they staffed the doors at the temple gates and they cleaned the temple and they helped with the sacrifices and they performed music for worship. And then there's the Samaritan. Now, as we mentioned last week, Samaria had been a part of ancient Israel. However, the northern kingdom of Israel was defeated by the Assyrians around 722 BCE, and, and at that time, most of the higher upper classes were sent out into exile. And the people who stayed behind, they continued trying to follow their religious practices as best they could, but they also started to intermarry with the Assyrians who had come in 
and invaded the lands, and they were probably influenced some by then. And so when the Judeans returned a couple of centuries later to rebuild the temple, they didn't recognize the Sumerians as a part of Israel anymore. They couldn't see those that had been left behind as equals with them. There was a question about the fact of they had intermarried with the others, so were they even in fact still Jewish? And what is going on with their religious practices? We just can't have that. And since they couldn't agree with the, on the best ways to show reverence to God, the Samaritans actually went out and named their own holy mountain and had their own temple and their own places of worship. But this still led to a lot of conflict between the two groups. Centuries of hostility leading up to actual revolts not long after the time of Jesus. And so those who were hearing Jesus' story, this is what they heard when Jesus named this third man a Samaritan. All this history, this violence, these arguments over how it is that you worship God, how could this man be the hero of the story? The Samaritans were pretenders. How could Jesus lift him up? So we can imagine the looks on the faces of those who are listening to Jesus tell this story. And then he ends with that important question, which one of these three men was a neighbor to the man in need? Notice that the, the legal expert can't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He can't bring himself even to put that word in his own mouth. He merely replies, the one who demonstrated mercy. Jesus uses this outsider, this enemy of Israel, to demonstrate what it means to love one's neighbor as expected in the law. This is what makes this parable so powerful. Jesus tells us there are actually no limits on who is our neighbor. Our neighbor is anyone we might encounter along the way, everyone we might possibly encounter, regardless of where they are, whether we know them or not, whether they're of the same social status or not. Being a neighbor to another does not depend on socioeconomic status, on being in the same town, being of the same race, being of the same gender, being of the same nationality, being of the same religion. Being a neighbor simply means demonstrating mercy to those that we meet. But not only is Jesus making a statement about what it means to love our neighbors, Jesus is making a theological statement about the very nature of God. God does not look at the world and see the same divisions that we do. God does not look at the world and see the outlines on the map of this nation, that nation, this place, that place, this people, that people. Jesus pushes against those boundaries that we draw around ourselves. Jesus pushes against those boundaries that we get comfortable hiding behind. 
love of God and love of neighbor are intimately connected with each other in this story that Jesus tells. This story that centers an outsider, someone who was not of the faith, an enemy of the very people that Jesus was sitting and talking to. And this challenges every notion that we might have of insiders and outsiders, of friends and enemies. Last summer, my annual conference in Michigan, we used this text from Luke as our focused scripture for our time together as we gathered to discuss the church and who we are called to be. And for weeks afterwards, I could not get this scripture out of my mind. And I wrestled with it, and I would wake with it in my head, and I would go to bed thinking about it at night. And then I was re-watching the movie Black Panther, and, and I was able to make connections with this text, with the different things that were happening in that movie. There were ways of seeing how it is that we treat our neighbors, all represented there in the ways that the people in this movie were interacting we had a Koye who thought that Wakanda should just be about Wakanda and should just take care of themselves and ignore everything that is going on out there in the rest of the world to other people. We had Njadaka Killmonger who thought that, you know what, we have all these things that we can take out into the world and just throw down all the oppressors and rise up on top of everyone else. And we had Nakia, who wanted to use their resources to create a better world for themselves and for their neighbors, whether they were in the country next door or across the ocean somewhere else. Each of these represented a different way of interacting with their neighbors. And it makes me wonder when I see things like this, who the characters in this story would be for us. As we imagine the man in need lying on the side of the road, perhaps begging for help, perhaps not even able to, I wonder what happens if we put a pastor and a deacon and a Muslim in that story. Does that shock us in the same way, perhaps, as including the Samaritan? next to the priest and the Levite would have shocked Jesus' audience. Maybe it would shock our sensibilities enough to get us to listen and to consider who it is that we're called to be. Who are those that we hold in high regard? And what happens if we imagine them ignoring the needs of the others? Is that hard to imagine? I'd like to hope so but sometimes I'm not sure. On the, other hand, on the other hand, who are those that we count as outsiders? Who are those that are our enemies? Who are those that societally we just expect to ignore other people's needs and to not care for them? What happens when we center them as the heroes of our stories about what it means to care for our neighbors as ourselves? I'm reminded of the stories of Muslim communities coming together to raise money to help the black churches that recently burned in Mississippi to help them rebuild. 
I'm reminded of the Muslim groups who came together to support Jewish communities after synagogue shootings in California and Pittsburgh. I'm reminded of the ways that we don't expect this. And yet this is people living out their love of God just as surely as we are called to do. As we draw to a close today, I want you to consider the ways that we continue to be surprised by these actions in our world. We make a big deal of these sorts of stories, creating national headlines and segments on the local news where we honor the good Samaritans who go out of their way to do good in our community, especially those that cross social and economic, racial, or national boundaries. But through the story that Jesus tells us, he's making it clear that for God, those boundaries simply do not exist. Those boundaries that divide us are ones that we have created. And when we, like the legal expert in this story, question who is our neighbor, it's like we are really seeking to place limits on who it is that God loves as much as we are seeking to place limits on who it is that we have to love. When he started to ask to question Jesus, this legal scholar was sure that he had all the answers. He was sure that he was right, and he was going to use his knowledge of the scriptures to prove that he was right and Jesus was wrong. But in the end, he was forced to admit his own defeat. He was forced to admit his own failure at understanding God's mercy, God's love for the world, and the lengths to which God expects us to love and show acts of mercy to others. And so he was handed this unexpected neighbor, this person that he never expected to be called on to love. Who is our neighbor? Who are those in need in our world today? Who are those neighbors of ours, expected or unexpected, we are being called to show mercy to? And how are we demonstrating mercy towards them? Let us consider together how we can continue to show love and compassion to our community and to our world. May we work to be neighbors to those in need here and in our wider world because together we can show this world God's love has no limits.